We've been going through Jonah, the story of the rebellious prophet, this prophet who God called in the very first chapter, in the very first sentence, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and he did not, he was not faithful with what God asked him to do. God asked him to go to Nineveh, this city in enemy territory, and he wanted him to, <clears throat> excuse me, he wanted him to, um, uh, <clears throat> sorry, D- David, do you mind going and get me a cup of water? <clears throat> Thank you. Um, he wanted him to go to this city and to tell the people, to warn the people that he was going to destroy the city. And if, if the, but Jonah, Jonah had a suspicion that if he were to go there, and tell them that God plans to destroy the city because of their violence, because of their sinfulness, uh, then they would repent. And now, usually a prophet would want the people to repent. But Jonah, uh, this was his enemy, and he didn't want them to repent. He wanted God to judge them. He wanted God to show them his wrath. And so Jonah ran in the opposite direction. And, of course, as we've talked about, uh, that wasn't okay with God. God got his attention through a storm, and it, it, the storm was so bad uh, that Jonah said to just throw him overboard, and it, you have to read the story to, to get the details of it. But he's drowning, and he calls out to God, and God hears his cries and rescues him. But in an odd way, he rescues him from drowning by a fish swallowing him. And uh, Jonah Praise in chapter 2, he cries out to God from the belly of the fish, thanking God for what he had done and how he saved him from the waves. And then um, as we continue in, into chapter 3, uh, Jonah ends up going to Nineveh. He learns from his mistake, so he goes to Nineveh, and he, t- he preaches, he tells the people that, that they are going to be destroyed. Thank you, sir. And um, as he's telling them this, they begin to repent. They, they put on sackcloth and, and ashes, and they, they begin to, to, to really re- regret who they had become and the actions that they had done. And when the word reached the king, the king even repented. And, and so we see this incredible thing happening, and yet it angered Jonah. He got mad about it. Because he didn't want them to repent. He wanted God's wrath poured out on them since they were his enemy. And in that, uh, in, his re- in their repentance and in God's forgiveness, even though Jonah had made mistakes and Jonah had been shown mercy and Jonah praised God for the mercy that he had seen for himself, he was not so happy about it when it came to Nineveh. And so this morning, in talking about the rebellious prophet, we're going to talk about where bitterness can lead us and, and actually where it cannot lead us. Uh, bitterness prevents progress. And we see this in one verse. And we're going to talk about a lot of scripture this morning, but we're going to focus on this one verse this morning. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 5. Uh, and in verse 4, God asks him, do you do well to be angry? Because as we said, he was upset about God forgiving them and, and relenting from the disaster. And in verse 5, it says this, Jonah went out of the city. Now, I doubt that his job was over, okay? Let's think about Terry and Nan when they were in Africa. Let's imagine that you go to Africa. What was the first country you were in in Africa? 
Oh, you were in Tanzania first. Okay, I thought you. Gotcha. Oh, okay, I see. All right. So you're in Tanzania. You get there. You get off the airplane, and you begin to tell people God's wrath is coming, and they all repent, and the whole city, the whole country starts to repent. How amazing would that have been, right? Was that your experience? Not quite? Okay. Now, if people got saved, would your first thought be to get out of the country? No. We would want to stay. We would want to to teach the people what it truly means to follow Yahweh in this case, and, and God, Jesus, for us today. We would want to let them know what it means to, to truly um, follow him. And yet, what's the first thing Jonah does after he, after he gets angry? He leaves. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. So he leaves the city and he, he makes a little booth, a little shelter, and he sat under it in the shade. So, I mean, he's got to be comfortable to watch the show that he's hoping comes. So he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now, if you want to know what that means, he is hoping that God, even though he has spared the city and relented from the disaster, he is hoping that God will go ahead and follow through with it, that he'll change his mind and go ahead and destroy the city. So not only did he not stay in order to help the people, but when he left, he hoped that God would destroy the city. Not only did he hope that God would change his mind again, but he built himself a little booth. This is about the most work he's done in this whole... uh, He spent way more energy running and doing nefarious things than he did obeying God. And sometimes this is us. It takes so much work to go against the will of God. It takes so much determination. And so often God will put up roadblocks in our path. For Jonah, it was the storm, it was the fish, it was these different things. And he does the same for us. And it, is, it can be so difficult to go against the will of God. And sometimes we don't even realize it. Sometimes we don't understand why these difficult things are happening. Sometimes we don't understand um, why our life is turning out the way it is. And, and let me be clear here. Not every hardship that we encounter is some sort of punishment. That is just not biblical. We live in a fallen world where bad things happen, where um, evil exists, and it's ever-present around us all the time, every day. We, we can just turn on the TV and see how much evil is in the world. And all that evil, in essence, is caused by humans because we are the ones who sinned, but not all the evil that you experience is your fault, is that your hands or your doing. How many of you have ever experienced pain because of someone else's actions? All of us, right? And so I'm not saying that all hardships 
are a direct result of our sin or actions, but some are. And Jonah has experienced some of those. And we have to distinguish in our own lives, are these things happening because of things that I have done or are these things happening because of things that other people have done to me? And that can be hard to distinguish also. Or is it just part of being alive on this earth, you know, the, the hardships? And so those are things that we have to pray about, we have to think about, we have to truly be honest with ourselves about. And Jonah, he was not very honest with himself. He, 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 only, he thought he was right. If you remember last week's sermon, he thought God was wrong and he was right, that God should have judged that country and should not have relented from disaster, even though God spared him and God sent the fish for him and God forgave him. He didn't want the same thing. Jonah did not want the same thing for the Ninevites. And so Jonah was only concerned with himself and he only wanted what he wanted. So much so that it should make you angry if you love God and you love lost people. It should make you angry when you read this in a healthy way in like the Lord has anger type of way. It should make you angry when you hear that there's a man of God who has such a disdain for these people that not only did he not want to go there in the first place to tell them about God and and warn them, uh, but when God, when he did that and God relented, now he's going outside the city to build a booth to watch God destroy the city in hopes that God would change his mind and he would destroy the city. And you do not want to be Jonah. You do not want to be this person who in your life, instead of moving forward, you, you build your booth, and you look back at the past, and you just hope that God deals with those people. You can hope that, but... Do you know that God deals with us in the way that we deal with others? Let me tell you what I mean by that. Let's think of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we, what? Yes. So we ask, this is Jesus' model prayer, right? And he says to the disciples, This is how you should pray. And he says in that prayer to God, forgive us as we forgive others. So if our attitude toward others is building a booth and just hoping that God judges them, hoping that God just shows them who's boss, then how are we asking God to deal with us? with the same level of mercy, which is not very merciful. And yet, most of us in here can think back at a time when we wanted God to show someone who was boss. If we're honest with ourselves, we can think back to a time when someone hurt us or something happened in our life where we wanted God to judge them. And look, here's what I know. God is going to judge one day. He is going to make all things right. The Bible tells us. He will, 
there will be an account for every wrong that is ever done. That is just truth. But I'm hoping that when I stand before him and it's time for him to judge me, that the payment that I owe him will have already been paid by Jesus on the cross. The debt that I owe for the sins that I have committed would already have been forgiven. Now, is that fair to the people I've wronged in this life? Not from a human perspective, no. But do we truly want fairness when we stand before God? Not in the way we're talking. Because then we all have to answer for our own sins. And if we look at how people have wronged us compared to how we have wronged others, I'm sure that there are those of us in this room who have been wronged more than we've, been, than we've done the wrong. But it's not on a scale like that. When you stand before a holy God, you have to answer for every wrong that you've ever done. And in fact, if we look at what the greatest sin could be, it would be to not give God the glory and the worship he deserves to sin against God in that way. And of course, that manifests itself in, in many different ways, whether it's just apathy of not caring about God and not going to church and, and not doing that kind of thing, or whether it's something as socially unacceptable as murdering someone and not caring about God enough to, to kill, to end the life of one of his creatures. And so um, when we stand before God, we don't want him to judge us like we judge others. And yet, there are many times in the New Testament where we see that we need to be merciful so that God will show mercy, right? I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. He will show mercy to whoever he wants to. But also, there are many scriptures and verses, just like I just mentioned with the... Um, the Lord's Prayer, where it seems that God will also dole out mercy and forgiveness uh, on a level equal to what we are doing to, toward others. And so while our sins are forgiven, if we follow Christ, if we become His truly and we're saved, and our sins are forgiven, um, we still have the responsibility to strive to follow Him day by day. We still have a responsibility to do right to others, to love them, to forgive them, to show mercy to them. We're even to love our enemies. And the greatest example of this is Jonah. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> He's the worst example. The greatest example is Jesus. Jesus came, and though he was in the form of God, did not consider, an, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing and took the form of a servant, even to death. Jesus came, and he put others before himself. And if we're like Jonah, then it's all about us, and we're going to go build our booth, and we're going to tell everybody that will listen about me, 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 and how I was wrong, how I was hurt, how these people are evil, how they deserve judgment. That's what Jonah was doing. It was all about him. It was all about how the Assyrians had wronged him and his people. He already had a prejudice against them. And then he's going outside the city and he's waiting for them to be judged because they're evil people and they deserve it. But what Jonah never looks at is that he's evil too in the sense that he is meaning that they are evil. He is a sinner. He is the one that ran from God at the beginning of this book. He is the one who it took 
almost drowning and being swallowed by a fish to get him to even go to the city that God called him to go to. He is the one that when he spoke, the people repented, and he got angry about it. He is the one that, that has a hardened, unrepentant heart. Yet he is the man of God here. And so many times, we as church-going Christian people, we want to look at other people, maybe the people sitting next to us in the pew, or maybe the people living next door to us, or maybe people on the news. We want to look at other people, and we want to think about how they're not good, they're not perfect, and all that. Well, that's fine, but if we do that, we're going to overlook the person that we're accountable for when we stand before God. And that's ourselves. It's easy for us to worry about the speck in someone else's eye when we have a plank in ours. And that's what Jonah is doing here. He has built a booth in order to sit under it comfortably so that in his hopes, he will be able to view a city, an entire city, being destroyed by the wrath of God. How does a person get there? I don't find many five-year-olds with this level of bitterness and hatred and anger. I'm not saying it's impossible. You're saying it's not normal. But by the time they got to me at college, when I was at the University of Arkansas at Monticello, when I was working there, there were plenty of bitter college-age students. And when I look at people my age, I'm in my <laughs> 30s. Uh... <laughs> I find more bitter people, in quantity I mean, the number of them, than I did when I was with college students. And it almost seems as, as many people get older, they either soften and become more like Jesus, or they harden and become more like Jonah. And so whether you're five years old or 99 years old. I mean, if you're older, that's cool. I just, I just don't know of any 100-year-olds in here. But no matter how old you are, we have to examine ourselves. Because if selfishness leads to bitterness, as we talked about last week, and we've, we've been talking about again this week with Jonah, and bitterness leads us to dwell on the past in a way where it's impossible to move forward as Jonah is doing up on this hill under his booth. Then it puts us in a position, a posture, to where we just keep looking back and since it's now affecting our future and hindering our progress, 
then the bitterness just deepens because not only are we angry about what happened, we're angry about what's not happening and what doesn't appear to be happening in the future. And bitterness is like chains. And we want to get out of it, but we won't let go. And we're chained to that past event or events. And we try to move forward, but we don't want to let go. And we can't move forward. I distinguished some things earlier. I want to, I want to make one more example of what I'm not talking about. When things happen to hurt us, we should grieve on the appropriate level. If it was small, then our grief shouldn't take long to get through, right? The bigger the, the thing was, the, the, the deeper our grief should be. Grief is a healthy way of God teaching us, growing us, comforting us, and if we refuse to grieve, then that is unhealthy, and it hinders our progress. It hinders our growth. But there is a difference between a natural, healthy progression of grief and being chained to the past and being for just refusing to move forward. And so... In closing, what I want us to make sure that we're not doing is I want us to make sure we are not being like Jonah. That we refuse to acknowledge that we are just as guilty as everybody else around us, that we are all sinners. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one is righteous, right? None is righteous. Not one. No one. None of us are perfect. All of us have caused pain. All of us have experienced pain. All of us have gone through difficult things in our life. Some of us have gone through more difficult things than others. Some of us have caused more difficult things than others but we all have the shared experience that we have experienced grief and we have caused grief. We have experienced pain and we have caused pain. And we all need to put ourselves at the mercy of God, just as the Ninevites did. And we all need to ask God to forgive us. And we all need to thank God for his forgiveness. And we all need to live lives that reflect that thankfulness. And none of us need to be like Jonah. None of us need to see God at work, and we don't care, because it's not what we want, or it's not what we had in mind. It's not me being forgiven, so forget those people and what God's doing over there. None of us need to be like that. None of us need to build booths and chain ourselves to the past and keep looking to see how God is going to make this, right, this wrong right. It's in his hands. It's not in our hands. Do we really want God to do things the way we think we should, they should be done? No. We don't know what's best. 
think about how we can mess up our own lives without much help. We don't need to be in charge of the entire world or universe or the people who have wronged us. Let God be in charge of that. And let's move on. Now, here's the hard part about a sermon like this. I sit here and I preach one verse about Jonah building a booth and hoping that God destroys the city, about Jonah's selfishness and how that leads to bitterness and how bitterness changes us to the past, bitterness prevents progress. And I say this for, you know, 35 minutes or however long I've been preaching, and then I'm, I'm, the sermon's over. But for some of you, this has brought up pain and hurt and anger that it's opening a wound and you can't deal with it in 30 minutes. You can't deal with it in an hour. You might need to, to, to find someone that you can talk to about these things. A Christian in your life who loves the Lord, who's mature, who can help you talk through these things. And for some of you, Maybe you need to talk to, to me as a pastor and, and let me help you work through some of these things. And then there are things that I just am not equipped or trained to help certain people with. And so I might suggest someone else for you to talk to, a counselor, someone who, who is trained to help you deal with this type of bitterness because this type of bitterness, it affects everything around us. It affects all the people around us. I mean, if, if we can look, we might not be able to see it. But I guarantee you that if you have been dealing with deep bitterness, you might not be able to see how it's affecting the people around you, but ask some people. I bet they've noticed it. I bet it has affected them. And so we have to be careful not to remain in bitterness but we also have to be careful as we're moving out of bitterness that we're not trying to do it. We're not trying to move forward without taking the chains off. And so if you have been struggling with this, then my encouragement and my challenge is find someone who can help. We all need help at different times, all of us. I, I you know, just this week, had to take a few hours before VBS one day to drive to Hot Springs and back, so that's four hours on the road, just to have a conversation with my mentor, just so I could get some advice on how to deal with some things in my life. We all need that. We all need people in our life who can help us move forward. When we catch ourselves under the booth, when we catch ourselves looking back at the past, we need someone to come to us and to help us move forward. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And I just pray that this morning that you would help all of us to deal with our past. Lord, some of us have experienced great hurts, great pain. Most of us have, Lord. And I just pray that you would help us to grieve in a healthy way, but when the time is right to move forward. Help us not to be angry at people, bitter with people, hate, hateful toward people as Jonah was with the Ninevites. Help us to love people like you loved people, like you love us. And as you are merciful and gracious with us, 
Lord, help us to be merciful and gracious with others. And God, I pray that you would soften all of our hearts. God, I confess that as I have gotten older, Lord, my heart has gotten harder, that I'm not as loving toward people as I used to be. I'm not as gentle as I used to be. Lord, and I pray that you would soften my heart and make it more like yours. And I pray that for all of us, God, that you would help us, that you would help us to be the people that you have called us to be, that you would help us to be like Jesus. And God, I just pray right now that you would help us to respond to you in whatever way you're leading. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't let bitterness prevent your progress. During this invitation, I just challenge you to, to go to God with your issues, with your struggles, and ask him to forgive you. Go to God with your, your anger, with your hatred. Go to God with these different things. And as we stand and as we sing, if you need to come up here and, and pray, then, then do that. If you need to talk to me or someone else, then do that. If you need to ask for forgiveness from someone in, in this room, then do that. Let's stand and let's sing.